Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to my podcast, Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out of the will of God in and through our lives. Welcome to episode four, which picks up on our perfection topic and goes on. I hope you like exploring the bottom of the ocean. We're going to start in James 3, 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Welp. Not a word really, but its use in this explanation may take our focus off the fact that we all struggle in the use of our words. Yes, see your words like bullets. When you say something to someone with the wrong heart position, then you just shot them. You have killed them softly with your words. Think on this. How many of us have struggled with false, hateful, ill-spoken identities spoken over our lives by the human race? People, some of those in whom you have done so, have never recovered. Oh, the value of encouragement in a time where you may have jumped to conclusions and then jumped to judgment and then jumped to criticism. You should have been a frog in that very moment. If you know of a person, including your own kids, that you may have stepped on their toads, go and make it right with them. Perfection is only fleeting in the absence of humility. Go get them and change their life forever. One more thing, if you are a pastor or a minister or ministering to someone who is word damaged, take the wonderful opportunity to break off any word curse and rebuild them in the word of encouragement and in the service of faith working through love. Galatians 5, 6. In 1 John 4, 17, we see that it states, Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Okay, now we're talking boldness. Yeah, So boldness can lead to perfection, right? Nope, no gur here. What this is saying is that we need to live our life like Jesus lived his. It's a summary statement of our entire purpose and focus. Oh, wretch, you say. I thought this one might be easier than the rest. Look at Peter for a minute and see the power of boldness and faith working through love. Acts 4, 29-31 Now, Lord, look on their threats, and grant to your servant that with all boldness they may speak your word, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. On a side note, it's interesting to see that if you pray for the right things, you're likely to get filled with the Holy Spirit and be able to do some things that are pretty freaking spectacular. I mean, you know, signs, wonders, healing people. You know, those things we see every day. Not. But we will. But we will. I gotta be honest, what I love about writing these messages down before I go to videos that I do not have to stop. I can run on and on until the thing is made clear and palatable. This one scripture can change your world right where you're standing. Look at the treasure it contains. It isn't just one giant pearl. It's the pearls found in an entire sea. So you are shy? That's the devil shutting you up. That also means you may have a word that will shake heaven and earth, which is why the devil is trying to shut you up. It's like he went to your shed of life and put his own lock on it so as to keep you dormant. We know Peter was usually talking about himself or the others as he was growing up as a Christian, but here we see the perfect work of perfection. Give us boldness to speak the gospel. This one thing would change our world if we asked God for boldness to do it. 
And my friend, it doesn't take much boldness to post a quip and quote of a Bible verse, hoping that some random person may feel better after reading it. It's well and okay, so don't stop doing it, but get yourself into a position where you need the boldness of God to preach His Word. And yes, this is why, because in doing so, you cannot leave out the signs and wonders. This will also be needed, as it is the power of God that shakes up the hardened and lost soul. This is why you don't just want to be a social media bug. It is one thing to hear about healings that have taken place, but ah yes, altogether another thing to be used by God to see it happen with your own eyes. Oh, the love of God being poured out on a sickly person who is then miraculously healed. Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have, now listen here, what I do have, yes, I, no, but he said I give you, in the name of Jesus, that you would get up out of your dismal affair and walk again. Now that is perfection. In 1 John 4.18 it states, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. This is key because you see it saying something here that's very critical. In a time of COVID, how many of us fell into fear? We didn't really fall into fear though, did we? Because fear is a spirit. What we did was we fell into torment. Constantly worrying about this or that. It's like a surgeon who's worried about getting germs and diseases working on those who have germs and diseases. He'll never do surgery. We'll never preach the gospel if we're operating in fear all the time, worried about our own selves. I think we're supposed to be dead men walking. One more on perfection. Fear inhibits love, which cannot be made perfect until fear is dealt with. We see that in young Timothy, as I'm sure many of you are also young. For whatever reason, the young tend to be more teachable. Look at the average college and university attendee age. So Paul says, hey, Timothy, you are gifted, so stir it up, and fear will flee. Oh, but how, Paul, did I receive a gift? By me laying my hands upon you. Look, Timothy, God did not give you, or us, a spirit of fear, so stop operating by it. Wait, fear is a spirit and not a feeling or emotion? Well, the spirit of fear will influence your emotions, which can impact your feelings. But fear exists in the spirit. Hey, peeps, resist the devil and he will flee. James 4, 7. Also, you can find it in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. By the way, if you only attend a church online, both it and you may struggle with impartation or imparting gifts to the sheep. Just saying. I think the authentic church needs the touch factor. But that's just me. So Jesus went first. We must follow his example to get his results. In Hebrew 2.10 it states, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. In Hebrews 5.9 it states, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I'm not going to go into, was Jesus really a sinner and then he had to be perfected? I'm going to leave that for you for now. We'll touch on it later. So Hebrews 10.14 it states, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So here you see a little clue. It says you're being perfected if you're being sanctified. And if you're authentically born again, you're being sanctified. Therefore, you're being perfected. I have a whole message on the benefits and value of suffering. At least any one of us cut the process short of perfection. So suffice to say, it is necessary. And if you really want to grow, it might be prudent that without cause you desire it. Okay, so now that we got through the easy stuff, let's get to the other stuff. What in the gorilla bananas did you say? 
Yes, there is more, but we're not here to play with the gorillas, but to become stronger disciples of our Lord and to be better acquainted with the word of God, that we would work or continue in our work in an ever-increasing faith working through love. And yes, Gorilla Bananas is another message I've talked on. Give it a listen. Before moving on, I am compelled to go transparent on you. I struggle not in one or two of these categories, but in all of them. Consolidation is of no use in these matters to me because we are actually called to be, yes, be these things, and to be absent from their counterparts. I can accept that I am a work in progress, but good Lord, sometimes I feel that I will run out of life just short of being any of these things completely. And in faith I know that these things are achievable, otherwise why would God instruct us to be sinless, to be blameless? to be pure, to be righteous, to be holy. So I can't chew on your leg like a mad chihuahua because I be the teacher of these things in spite of not having achieved them myself. But I teach because he instructs me to do so regardless. So now we go on to sinless. I don't even know how to spell, but if I could, it should look like that. (laughs) P-F-W-E-A-H. Did you say sinless, Ken? Yes. Oh, Oh, but you mean like after I'm dirt so that I can no longer be hurt, right? Nope, I mean based on the journey we are about to continue in. And like a cheetah chasing down a hamster at full speed, sin can do the same thing to you. And if it catches up to you, you should not partake of its delicacies. I know you are saying that sin is horrible, Ken, but how can you describe it in such a manner? Because I agree that it is horrible, which is due to the fact that while we were dancing in it, God called forth his seed buried in us before the earth was ever formed, and we became born again while wallowing in it up to our neck. And some of us were under completely wallowing in all. So yes, it is horrible, but it has a side that is attractive. Otherwise, if we saw it for what it is, and all of it looked like murder instead of truffles, we could easily avoid it in our own strength, right? I mean, who would want to partake of something that looked like murder? I know some do, but even they, if they could see the horrors that sin creates and has created since its inception into humanity... They may even be so inclined to avoid it. Let's look at just one example of why I use the cheetah image to describe sin. And if you do well, in Genesis 4-7 it states, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. What are you saying? That sin is alive? No, not possible. Well, if you think so, in the face of that scripture and the fact that Romans personify sin, then you haven't really been between the teeth of a cheetah. I have, and perhaps it's because I'm an overachiever in so many things that I do. I gotta do it lots, and I gotta do it big. So I have been bound up by sin so tight that I was sure God was in error when he stated I could be free from it. Surely I gotta have some friends out there that know what I'm saying. If it's not you, then by all means, don't go getting yourself in the same position so that you can relate to what I'm saying. Avoid it and fill your life up with God. So let's look at God's word and get his take on it regardless of what sin may currently be doing in your life. Remember, we are all in the same boat. The wind and waves scared everyone in the boat but Jesus. Romans 6.2 states, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So does this sound like we have a choice in the matter? It is a bit disturbing to me that when I sin, I think that I had a choice in the matter. Some sins, not all of them. With one sin in particular well under the title of one, Something that I would describe as a principality with legions under it, that is, with many sins related to the principality, it is the one that's not dying in my life. I have been relentless in working to be free from it, and there have been times when I was sure for the duration that it left the building. But time has thus proven that it was crouching at the door. 
I hope and pray that it doesn't die at the six-foot event we have all to face. Surely I want to celebrate total freedom from it, from all sin, before that awesome event. Getting free from it that way would feel kind of like cheating. So in Romans 6, 6, it states, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. After so many years of fighting, I can say that slavery to sin is exactly what it is. So take drinking, for example, or drugs. Addictions are easy to use as illustrations because anyone who was ensnared in the teeth of the cheetah knows the struggle and fight when made a slave to something. No hope of escape but Jesus. You see how much the value of the cross has when you get the chains broken off of addictions? A slave who gets set free having something brilliant to head into is always more excited, exuberated, than the one who remains a slave because of the fear of what freedom might be like without the something to head into thingy. Of this I am talking about heading into Jesus, a life spent with Him, priceless. This is where purpose and mission comes from. Hebrews 8:11. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So in Hebrews 10:26, guess what? It says it again. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What double trouble. I really don't like it when God feels the need to repeat himself. It's like, hey God, it was difficult hearing that the first time. Why you gotta say it again and again? I do believe in grace when I read this. And because I, like many of you, I want to experience what it is to be totally free from sin. I'm compelled to believe he has no bottom. Okay, so if this wasn't just a little bit disturbing, because you got it under wraps, let's see about John and what the heck he says about the matter. In 1 John 3, 1 through 10, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. So the first what I come across is that we purify us. Oh, how this seems at times so elusive of a task in these bodies of sin. But it is possible and it should be added to the rest of the priorities included in this message. Why not, right? So in verse 4 it states, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifest to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor knows him. It's stacking up and John is not done yet. In verse 6 we see a key. Abides. So apparently somewhere in the Bible it chats about abiding so as to leave us with a sound definition of the abiding factor. I'm going to insert a scripture in the middle of another scripture just to make a solid point. How cool is that? Jesus states in John 15:4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. That's stated in that we should abide in him always, that we not sin, right? Break a branch off a fruit tree and it produces no more. It must be attached to the source that allows it to bear fruit. The branch cannot bear fruit by extracting nutrition from itself. It must draw from the stock of the tree. Jesus is our stock, and so if we abide, that is to remain attached to him, we will bear his fruit. Okay, back to 1 John 3, 1-10, starting at verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. 
For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Who has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. John, in whom Jesus loved, says this. He dropped the devil and the seed bomb. I get he who sins is of the devil. I would reach out there and say that what John is saying is that we are acting like the devil when we sin. Now, as born-again believers, God has a short memory intentionally regarding our sins. He is casting so much he should have been a fisherman. Wait, he was. By the way, I needed to include these so that we do not lose hope, as this again is a heavy topic. But with his help, all things are possible. So in Hebrews 8.12, it states, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In Hebrews 10.17, it states, Then he adds, Their sin and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In Isaiah 38.17, it states, Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Back to back to back to John. In verse 10, it finishes with, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So there are two keys here. But I don't want you to miss the fact that God has children and the devil has children. We covered that in an earlier message in this series. So John had the most to say about what it looks like to, or rather, who a person looks like when they sin. He has provided to us enough reason to walk away from any intentional sinning. Not that there is accidental, but perhaps willing to sin is a better direction to take this conversation. Peter 1.23 has something to say both of abiding and of the seed. So if you practice sin, then you have an issue. If you are not practicing sin, i.e. doing it over and over and over and over again, then you are abiding. But for those of us who have struggled with certain and specific sins, but are completely disgusted that you sin at all, you are still in like Flynn. I don't know who Flynn is, but it rhymes, so away we go. Well, that's it for today. Stay tuned for episode 5 as we continue to look at the God attributes we have and what God has to say about them. You want to avoid thinking that any of these things might be achievable if you just try harder. I said this earlier. It's important enough to say it again. If that's you, you may be in danger of thinking you can achieve the impossible. I've heard it said that God in us as you. If we get this, we see that He is doing the work. I think that this is a great approach that God has taken. Not that He needs my approval. But considering how hard it has been just to stay out of trouble falling quantumly on the regular, it becomes mind-boggling to think I can achieve perfection or purity or even righteousness. Again, remember it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding the message, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.